Amen. Well, you may be seated. It is great to see you this morning. And uh, um, children, you guys have a great class, Rhett, and uh, thankful that you're here. Um, so many of you knew that, well, actually two things. First of all, you might have noticed that there's some guys out digging in the field across the way, and there's some porta potties in back, nice ones. Uh, we've had some plumbing issues at this old building, and we've had a plumber here for four days and still have not figured it out. So um, it's, a, not a great, uh, it's not a great work, but uh, hopefully we'll have it all figured out. So if anything backs up here, we will send everybody out to the nice uh, restrooms that we've provided out in the parking lot. That's the first thing. Secondly, so as many of you know, uh, Unica Martafi, who's the pastor of Deo Gloria in Cluj, Romania, was supposed to be here today. And uh, Thursday night, Pam and I were just getting ready to fall asleep. At 10 p.m., I get a text from Unica, who is going to be preaching today, and he says, I've been stopped at the Hungarian border. I can't come. And I remember looking at Pam, I'm thinking, <laughs> and he felt horrible. And so, so... I mean, we, we looked and looked, and my, maybe we can find a Romanian somewhere. Actually, he was coming with uh, Darius. And so what I want to do is I want to bring up Darius real quick. Darius is a missionary with the Josiah Ventures. He and, he and Unica were going to be traveling together. He's the youth leader at the uh, church in Deo Gloria, but he also runs a mission. Uh, he's a missionary for this organization that trains youth leaders. So what I want to do is I want to I introduce him. Maybe you could tell... Uh, Darius, I know because you preach also, I know it's a dangerous thing to give a preacher a mic, but I'm going to give you a mic. I could grab it quickly. And uh, what I want to do is I want to just, um, I want to ask you real quickly, like what happened at the Romanian border? Um, so I was getting ready to board and not board to check in. And then my stuff went through. I had, I had my vaccination card. I had the recovery card. I had all the stuff they needed, you know, so I was like, just choose whatever you want, you know. And then I looked to Yonika after I'm done, and he's like, you might be going alone. Why? Let me, let me stop real quick. They've just taken a bus for 11 hours from Cluj to Budapest because they were trying to save some money. And then they'd just gone through this really long line back and forth, excited to get on the plane to come to America. America. And then what happened? And... Uh, so he's like, why? And it's because they don't allow, uh, if you're not fully vaccinated, you can go on. Although he has the recovery, because he had COVID about a month ago. And then although he has a recovery card, he could not get on. So because of that, I mean, we started fighting with the guy in a Christian way, you know? So <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. The witness was good. Uh, we were trying to like show, oh, but this is what one of the websites that, that it's a GOV website is saying. But U.S. Then, government. Yes. So another website was saying something else. So it was kind of like one was saying that it's recommended. One was saying that it's required. So it was just a weird situation. But uh, yeah, they we try to argue our way into, but we couldn't. So then I came alone. Yeah. So Unica was going to be here, and uh, we're we're actually thrilled to have Darius. I got a chance to get to know him when I was in Romania in November. Um, let me ask you a quick question, and and I know this is a big question, but some people in the United States, I don't believe it's anybody here, but they complain a lot about the United States. As a foreigner who's traveled around the world, what do you say about the difference between Romania, or at least 
the United States and Romania or other parts of the world? So I, I was telling you yesterday, yesterday I went to Costco. And, okay. Just, you know, I lived in the U.S. for four years. I did college here. So that's why, like, I know American culture. I grew up around Americans. I'm born and raised in Romania, but... He went to Moody uh, Bible Institute Moody in Bible, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So when I went to Costco, it's been the first time in, like, three years because I came in 2019, uh, the last time. And I, I got into Costco, and I was overwhelmed, like, this sensory overload of, like, there are so many options. It was unbelievable. And, like... You know, you go anywhere and you can get so many options of whatever. Like, if you're into a really specific sport, you will find a community for that sport. You know, if you're really into specific things, you find that. Which, for me, as a foreigner, is unbelievable. Like, I've never seen anywhere in the world the multitude of options that you can have. And that's why I was entering there in the first thought. I was like, if anybody complains here, like... It's, I, you know, I had some bad thoughts that I need to repent of, but, <laughs> uh, but it, it was, it's one of these issues where like, there's so many options, there's so many cool things, there's so many good things happening here. And a lot of freedoms. And a lot of freedoms, and you know, I didn't have to wear a mask, and in Romania, you actually, at this point, you can't even go to a mall if you don't wear a mask, and so in the European Union, it's, it's, it's a little bit weirder and different, um, but it, it was just, it was just, uh, just the availability of options, just the multitude of, of things that you can own, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So I want to I put up a map real quick. Uh, so as many of you know, we've partnered with Deo Gloria in Cluj, Romania. Um, we're getting ready. I'll be back uh, this spring to install elders. Um, but there's a little deal going on right now on the Russian-Ukrainian border, which this is Russia over here, Ukraine, Belarus, this is Moldova, and then Romania is right here. And, uh, the, um, and, and then you've got Poland, the other former Soviet bloc countries. Let me go to the next map. And what you see here is these are all the NATO countries. Here's Romania, but then here is Ukraine. And again, Moldova, which we were involved with planning a church there um, back in 2012. But it's been kind of interesting because they were... Up until 1989, they were under a communist dictatorship, and then there was the revolution there, and then you've been free since. Um, what is the sense right now in Romania, just knowing that Russia is knocking at the door of Ukraine and may or may not um, invade? Has there been a concern among the people? I mean, you've seen military movements in Romania from west to east. Um, we've actually had a lot... Even in Cluj-Napoca, we've just had a thousand American soldiers arrive. In there's a military base close by, and so we've seen a lot of that. Romania as a country, we're not so worried because we're in NATO, but we are worried for our neighboring countries. And one of the really really cool things is that the the Minister of Foreign Affairs uh, just said that Romania is more than ready to welcome any Ukrainian refugees. And the sentiment of people wasn't like. Because we have about 250 uh, miles of border, 400 kilometers of border with Ukraine in the north. You can see up there. And then they were like, we're ready to receive and uh, all these refugees. And nobody was like, ah. like the sentiment in the country is like, they're our brothers. Let's receive them. So it's a really cool feeling yeah. to see that. But it's also a really scary time. Uh, my wife was asking me like, what if a war starts? Can you come back? 
you know, like, because I mean, I'm gone for a week, so she's uh, she's been asking, do you think you can come back? I'm like, I think they let people in, but maybe not let people out, you know, yeah. that's, yeah. So, um, but the sentiment is because we're in NATO for us, it's easier, but we're also like, what's going to happen to Moldova, which we also consider them like part of our Romanian culture, heritage. So, you know, we're, we're worried about that, yeah. uh, but we're ready to receive them. So that's really cool. So um, as, as we've talked about, we, through the giving in the church, we've been able to partner with them, have been able to help them get a building, which is pretty amazing. The church is a little over a year. And to be able to get a building in Cluj, which is in Northwest Romania, it's, it's, it's really the, um, it's kind of like the Silicon Valley of Eastern Europe. There's about 100,000, 500,000 people live there, about 100,000 students. And the fact that they've been able to get a building is amazing. And it's, it's on the second floor of this industrial building. And they've they just did an incredible job on fixing it up. And then they had an opportunity to get this uh, a space downstairs. Uh, they might call it the lower room, but it's a place where they're going to be doing ministry. They're going to be doing a number of different things. I want to show you a quick video. If uh, I think we have that video. Just if you can uh, watch this quick video if we have it. We don't have it. Okay. So, but it's, yeah, it's a video of downstairs. Well, why don't you explain what, what, what we see in the video and what's going on with it? I could explain it, but I can, you're here. I you might as well you work. <laughs> now, uh, so downstairs is a room where we're trying to do something for the community, for the local community. And uh, one of the guys from church, he is a professional boxing uh, coach, and he's really good. So he's done this for a very long time. And one at one point, I was going to church, and then all these dudes come, and like you can tell they're unchurched. You can tell they're rough around the edges, you know? They dress really nice because they thought you had to dress really, really, really nice, like wedding nice to come to church. So they were like, they stood out for sure. So they came and then uh, I asked like, what are you doing? Oh, we're doing boxing with Sergio. And then he said that he, he does it for free with us if we come to church, you know? So they came to church and a few of them keep coming. And what's really cool, I mean, in the video, there's 13 guys that are actually training now. So it's in this lower room of the church. Uh, we have two, two uh, big... He uh, speed, uh, uh, heavy bags. Heavy bags. We actually bought two more. Mm -hmm. And then these guys come to train. And then what we do is we actually have a devotional before we start with them. Like this last Tuesday, right before I came, uh, I, it, was, it was my turn. And I, I spoke from First Timothy uh, 2 Timothy 2.7 about... Second Timothy 2.7 about fear, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was like I talked for five minutes... We prayed, and then they started training. And these are very unchurched guys. One of the guys actually uh, talking to Sergio, he's into drugs, and you could tell because he was very dry, like his mouth was it. So, does that mean I'm into drugs? <laughs> I'm actually very dry right now. But I mean, you could tell in the night talking to Sergio, he was telling me that he's doing drugs, but he just wants to come there. It's for the community. They like the community. You know, they're with other guys that want to do the same thing. But the fact that they're just consistently hearing the gospel message, because we, we, we tell them, you know, we, we speak from, from the Bible with them, and it's short, five minutes. You know, it's like a pep talk, but it, 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 yeah. they really hear. And then uh, these guys, a lot of them come to church. So it's really cool. It's really good. And one of the things, a couple of things they're going to be doing, they're going to be doing some after-school programs in that space. And we were the ones that provided the money to be able to redo this space, and it looks tremendous now. And also your wife wants to teach English as a second language. She's actually from Brazil. You guys met at Moody and uh, Bia. Yes. And so 
Yeah, that's a really neat thing. Let me just ask one last question. What do you think the greatest need is for the church in Romania? The church? Yeah, or Dea Gloria uh, specifically. First time I've ever seen him at a loss for words. <laughs> True story. True story. I talk a lot. So let me, uh, at the fall of the communist regime, what happened in Romania and then kind of what, what happened as a result of that? We'll end with that. Okay. And then I can tell you because it, it's actually, could, right. it's related. Um, so at the fall of communist. I'm leading you. Okay, yeah, I'm I, leading I, 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 I could tell, I could tell. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so when communism fell in 1989, um, there was this huge opening for the gospel. If you came and went on the street and said, I'm going to start preaching, and you start preaching, you would get a crowd in seconds. People were just so hungry for the word, so, so hungry. Uh, stadiums were filled, you know, whatever you did. So the church saw a huge explosion in, in attendance, in numbers. And what was cool is that, like, a bunch of uh, missionaries and churches from America just, like, poured money into these ministries. And we had these very big churches. And things were just looking great. Uh, but there was no development, long-term development in discipleship. So there was no mindset for what is discipleship? What does it mean long-term? And then that transformed into now having problems where you have a church like this, right? And then, like, only this pew is, like, full with people, you know? And, like, how do you sustain that? And it's usually, like, older people, you know, because, like, um, so there was no, uh, so coming back to the other question, the need is this continual transformation of thinking Matthew 28, you know, like, we were sent to make disciples, you know, and then we we're sent, and Jesus said, and behold, like, we're sent to make disciples and look to Jesus at the same time. So I guess... The, the general answer for what the, what the church needs is uh, um, a consistent uh, abiding into, into Jesus. So that helps us uh, think discipleship. Think how can we be making disciples? How can we be made ourselves disciples and also be making disciples and invest in, in others and so on and so forth. So, yeah, discipleship. That's good. Yeah, no, that's you. a great one. You are? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need. So one, one last thing, I'm just going to say this, and then I'm going to pray for you. Um, Darius is in charge of summer camps. He, so he trains youth leaders from around the country, and then they put on camps in the summer, and they train discipleship. And so we're actually going to be uh, sending a team, Lord willing, this summer to support one of the camps that he's going to be doing for Dale Gloria. And so we'll talk about that more in the future. Let me pray for you and the church. Father, we thank you for just the opportunity to have uh, uh, Darius here, Lord. I do pray for Yanika, who's not here. I know that's been really difficult for him. But Lord, uh, as we even talked about, you are a sovereign God, and none of this happened without uh, your knowledge. And so we, we thank you for how you're going to use it, Lord. I pray for uh, Darius just for his ministry. I pray for the work that uh, you've given him. I also pray for his, his family, uh, for his two little children, for, for uh, uh, Bia. And Lord, just ask that uh, uh, they would just continue to, uh, uh, to be about your gospel, Lord. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. God bless you.
All right, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles, if you would, and find your way to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, as we continue in our series, looking up when life is down. And uh, certainly for, for many of us, that has been a message we've needed to hear, looking up when life is down. 1 Peter chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to find a black Bible in front of you, and you can find 1 Peter 2 on page 954. 954, you're, you're welcome for that. Um, well, in 19, uh, excuse me, in 2001, uh, I surrendered to full-time ministry after owning my own business for almost 20 years. And when I surrendered to ministry, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that Isaiah 6, 8, which, where Isaiah says, send me, you know, here I am, Lord, send me. It just, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And a couple of weeks after I surrendered to full-time ministry, a little thing called 9-11 happened and everything stopped. Didn't know what I was going to do. Finally, I went on staff at our church in Dallas as uh, overseeing a small little uh, $36 million uh, addition to the church. And so what I found when I went on staff there is, you know, what I told the uh, executive pastor when he told me about the opportunity. I said, well, I was really hoping to do ministry. And he said, he said, well, everything we do here is ministry. And I had an opportunity to be over the contractors, the, the engineers, the architects as we were building this project. And, you know, I, God really convicted me of the fact that no matter what you're doing, it's ministry. Uh, but I also got convicted in the fact that um, I had moved from our offices on the North Dallas Tollway that was all glass and granite looking downtown, and I was moved out to this muddy patch on the northwest uh, quadrant of our property in a trailer, job trailer, where I'd have a heater under my desk to keep my feet warm, and I had a metal, a metal desk, and it was just like all of a sudden there were all these changes in my life that was like really radical for me. And um, I was under the executive pastor, and I've told him this story, and you know, I, a lot of times I would just, see the things that they were telling me to do or asking me to do. And I'm thinking, this doesn't make sense. It's just inefficient. And I just, my, my head was not right at all. And then I read, I was, I was full of a lot of pride, still struggle with that. But then I read a book called Spiritual Authority by a guy named Watchman Nee. And it just slapped me in the face. And the Lord knew I needed slapping. There were some things in there that I read. Opposite, the opposite of obedience is rebellion, that Jesus learned obedience through suffering, Hebrews 5.8. He said, believers must obey God's ordained authority. And then the thing, well, then he says, to reject delegated authority is an affront to God. And then this was a statement that really got to me. My role as a Christian is to serve those in authority over me and make them look better. What? I want to make me look better, not other people look better. And I was really challenged by that and really convicted by that. In time, I, I confessed, I repented. I saw how the Lord began to change me in that. And in changing me, I saw things around me start to change. You know, so often I want other people to change versus I'm the one that needs to change. And what I saw is my relationship 
with the executive pastor really flourished because now my goal was to make him look better and not to make Bill look better. Now, there were still times that I struggled. My pride kept bubbling up. But one of the things I understood is the more I submitted to God's word, the more God was being glorified. And that's really what Peter's getting ready to talk about in this next passage that we're going to look at today. In fact, we're going to see it all the way from chapter 2, verse 11, until chapter 3, verse 12. And here's the big idea of the message today. When we willingly submit to authority, we are living as servants of God and we bring him glory. When we willingly, not grudgingly, but when we willingly submit to authority, we are living as servants of God and bring him glory. Now the passage before us is all about the S word. The word not many of us love, it's a word submission or be subject to. It's a word that causes many of us to bristle and it's a word that he uses in a number of different areas in these passages before us with governing authorities in our workplace, in the home, and even in the church. And today we're going to look at the place that's the easiest to submit, governing authorities right? Let me tell you, Eric and I, we were walking yesterday and we were talking about this and he says, this is one of those passages that really challenges us to humility. And he's right. Let me read these verses starting in verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Now, some of you might be thinking, we are living in really rough times right now and submitting to governing authorities? What are you kidding? Here's the first, what I'm going to do is answer and ask or ask and answer six questions. First question, what's the reason for our submission? Well, first of all, it's commanded. What's the reason for our submission? It's commanded. You see again in verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now remember, who was the emperor at the time of the writing of this letter? AD 64, it was Nero. Nero was a lunatic. He was considered insane. He persecuted Christians as a result Christians have now scattered all throughout Asia Minor. He's preaching to those that have been dispersed. We've talked about some of the things that he did to Christians. I mean, the persecution was ridiculous. And Peter is saying here, be subject for the Lord's sake to, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors. 
That word be subject, it, it's the word submit yourself, it's to, to subject yourself. It's a word for submission. The, the word in the Greek is hupotasso, it's a, it's a compound word. Hupo is mean to, is, means under, tasso is to place, to, 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 to order or to place. It's the idea of placing yourself under. Be subject. It's the imperative. In fact, it's in the imperative, and it means right now. He's saying, as sojourners and exiles, to those he's writing, but we are sojourners and exiles. We are, this, this world is not our home. We are just sojourners heading to heaven, which is our home. He's saying, we're to live under the order that God has ordained for us. Right now. It's commanded. That's the reason for our submission. In fact, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 13, really one through seven. I would encourage you to read that passage. Let me put up uh, just part of that passage. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. I don't know about you, but those are some difficult verses. In fact, I've said many times, this passage of scripture is one of the most difficult passages to apply in scripture. Why? Because a lot of us are very independent. And a lot of us have somewhat of a rebellious streak. It's not easy. Now, let me ask you a question. Are there any exceptions to this? Yes. If we're told to do something that God forbids, or we're told not to do something that God commands. You see examples of that in Scripture. I mean, think about in Exodus, the first part of Exodus, where the midwives were told by Pharaoh to kill all the boys that were, all the Jewish boys that were born. But the midwives didn't do it. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were told to, to, to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue? Well, they refused to do it because we're called to have no other gods before us. How about Daniel who was told that he could not for 30 days worship anybody or pray to anybody other than the king? Or even Peter and John in Acts chapter 5 when they were told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. They refused. Why? Because we're commanded to be his witnesses. Let me put up uh, Acts chapter 5. And when they had brought them, this is the Sanhedrin, the ruling, the, the ruling council. When they, when they had brought them, they set them before the council. They set John and Peter before the council. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us, speaking of Jesus. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. So yes, there are places in which we can, the, the, there's exceptions to this. But we can't make up our own exceptions. 
which sometimes we want to do. So first of all, the reason for our submission, it's commanded. Secondly, let's look at what's the motive of our submission or the motive for our submission. Well, it's for the Lord's sake. Notice what he says again. Be subject for the Lord's sake. The motive for our submission is so clear. We do it for the sake of the Lord. Our motivation is vertical. And we so often talk about the fact that if we don't get the vertical right, the horizontal will not get right. We must have a right focus on the vertical. In fact, there's a theological basis for our submission that you see throughout this chapter. In fact, look at verse 12. It says that our conduct should glorify God. Verse 13, our submission be, should be for the sake of God. Verse 15, it is the will of God that we do good. Verse 16, we are to live as servants of God. Verse 17, we're to fear God. Verse 19, we're to be mindful of God. Verse 20, our submission is a gracious, gracious thing in the sight of God. And then verse 21 through 24, we're called to follow Christ's example. So why should we submit? Well, first of all, it's a command, but as Christians, our motive should always be to honor the Lord. Now, if you find yourself resistant, and I, I can tell you, I did a lot of squirming as I'm preparing this message. But if you find yourself resistant to authority, whether it be civil or work or family or otherwise, then you got to ask yourself, why? Why am I resisting authority? Do I have a wrong theology? Is my focus not on honoring God and, and others, but is my focus on self? Have I exalted self over God? Over, have, I, have I placed God's, have I, instead of living under the word of God, am I living over the word of God? First reason, it's commanded. Our motive it's for the Lord's sake. But third, we see the scope of our submission. Now, the scope of our submission is comprehensive. And we see that. Notice what he says. It's for every human institution. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now, let me ask you a question. What human institution is left out here? Institution is a word that the New Testament uses for something that's been created by God, whether it be civil or employer or otherwise, whether good or bad, whether fair or unfair, whether punitive or not. Ultimately, this is all part of our sanctification. This is part of our growth. Now, I don't know about you, but I realize when I read these verses and I really think about these verses, I realize... Okay, I need to be more dependent upon God, not less dependent upon God. Think about what it was like for the first century believers who are now having to live under Nero, who is his despot, and they're told, be subject to, for the sake of the Lord, every human institution. The fact is, we'll see in next week's passage that 
if we're to be persecuted, it's not for, being, for doing wrong, but we should be persecuted for doing what's right and good. For that is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Now, some of you might be thinking, I don't like our government or I don't like our president. Well, welcome to everybody that's ever lived in this country for the last 200 years. The fact is, they're fallen human beings. But that doesn't give us the right not, that doesn't give us the right to disobey them. Yeah, but what if they're repressive? We're called to submit. What if they're unfair? We're called to submit. What if they're punitive? We're called to submit. Look at what Romans 12, 19 says. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. See, that's what, that's, what Paul's saying is you've got to trust the Lord in this. Sometimes things happen for a reason, and we don't even know why in this moment. That was my conversation with Yanika. He says, you know, it finally got to a point where he says, I just, I understand God is sovereign. There's a reason for this. I think we need to understand that. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't make it easy though. I'm not saying here like, okay, I've got this down. It's easy for me. What's wrong with you all? No. But what I know is, there's times where, like, when we're told to do something like this, that, like, Lord, I, I can't do this in my own strength and my own power. I need you. See, we walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. The key is really in verse 23, which to me is an amazing verse. Notice what it says. Speaking of Jesus, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Think of Jesus on the cross. Think of Jesus being arrested. Think of him being beaten. Now, let me ask you, did Jesus do any wrong? No, he was sinless. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But continued him trusting continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly see he was looking up when life was down he was looking to the he was looking to the father he was entrusting himself to the father he was looking up when life is down the fact is when we look at some of god's commands through our fallen eyes we can bristle see we want fairness. We want justice. I shouldn't have to live under this tyranny. But the fact is, God is just, the world is not. And we must always be reminded of the mercy we have received from God if you're in Christ. The fact is, Jesus is our example of submitting to authorities. He was innocent. Yet was crucified in our place. Think of how God used that for a greater good. See, sometimes we don't understand maybe the difficulty we're going through and how God might use that for a greater good. We may not even know until we're called into heaven, but we can look at Jesus in his example and know that, yes, he was beaten for us. He was, he was sinless. 
He was, our, he, was, he was our substitute on the cross. He was raised on the third day. And because of what he had done, laying his life down on the cross, we can have eternal life by turning from our sin and turning to Jesus. God uses that. He learned obedience through what he suffered. And our suffering draws us closer to him. Our pain deepens our need and dependence upon him. As a staff, we're reading through a book by Dane Ortland right now called Deeper. I would recommend that book. He's got a whole chapter on pain. And his thesis in that chapter on pain is it draws us to the Lord. Some of you are going through really difficult times right now. And it should draw you to the Lord. It should deepen your dependence upon the Lord. Especially when like, I feel like I have nothing, I can't do anything. See, we all want to fix stuff. But if we can't fix it, it's like all we can do is look to the Lord. That's a gracious thing. God wants to deepen our relationship with us. What's the reason for our submission? It's commanded. Our motive, it's for the Lord's sake. The scope of it, every human institution. What about, what's the benefit of our submission? What impacts others? Look at verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever said, like, I just want to be in the will of God? I want to be in the will of God. Well, there's a lot of verses in the Bible about being in the will of God. First uh, Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you flee sexual immorality. Okay? That's being in the will of God. But here he says... He says in verse 15, for this is the will of God that by doing good, not doing wrong, by being subjective, by being submissive, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Do you realize that when you submit to authorities, you are smack dab in the will of God? When you do good, by being subject to every human institution, it puts to silence the ignorance of fools. And silence, that word silence, it means to muzzle. It's the idea of, of muzzling an ox. It's, it, it, and that word silence is the word that Jesus used when he rebuked the wind and he says, peace be still. The fact is, as Christ's followers, we should be the first to obey authorities over us. Not the last. And I know in the culture that we're living in right now, we can think of a lot of different, we can come up with a lot of different reasons. But is it scriptural? Is it biblical? And I tried to come up with a bunch. The fact is, the benefit of your humble submission is you shut the mouths of those who are looking for reasons to criticize us. Look back at verse 12. We talked about this last week. He says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, the conduct, uh, Gentiles, unbelievers, those that are not regenerative. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I asked the question last week, what message is your life preaching? What message is your submission or lack of submission preaching? Because we have a watching world. What do people see? Remember, 
If we don't have order, what do we have? Chaos. And so often you have chaos even in, within Christians because they're not willing to submit to the order that's been ordained by God. Your submission has a huge impact. Maybe it has an eternal impact on those around you. All right, that brings us to the fifth question. What is the attitude of our submission? The attitude. Well, it should be as servants of God. Our attitude should be as servants of God. Look at verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. That word servant. In your Bible, as many of you, if you, it'll have a textual note. It's bondservant. The Greek word is doulos. It's a slave. It's one that is in subjection to another. Live as slaves to God. That's the way we're called to live. It's the lowest form of slave. See, my attitude to the Lord must be that of a slave, one who is in a permanent relationship of service to him. So let me ask you, do people see you as a slave of the Lord? Or have you become maybe a slave of technology or of video games or of social media or what people think of you on your social media? People have become slaves to that for sure. Have you become a slave to pornography? or to money, or to prestige, or to anger, or to unforgiveness, to become slave to it, or self-righteousness? Or do they see you as a slave of God, a servant of God? Does your conduct silence the ignorance of foolish people because you have this submissive heart that is loving and peaceful and joyful and patient that exhibits self-control? Does your attitude of submission exalt Christ or does it defame Christ? Ouch. Again, this is not me preaching at you. This is the word of God preaching at me. And I'm just the messenger, so, so, don't, so, so don't get mad at me. But, but, but again, if... There is no submission. Then what we see is what happens throughout Judges. There was no king in Israel and everyone did what? What was right in their own mind. Remember when we were in Judges uh, last fall? Or whenever it was? Yeah, I think it was last fall. Let that not be us, Lord. Finally, let's look at the application of our submission. It's love and respect for all. So Peter now gives us in verse 17 a summary of how believers can live submissively in the world. Look at verse 17. He says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. When he says honor everyone, the question is why? Well, we are all creations of God. Now, we're not all children of God. We've talked about that. The only way you're a child of God is if you've turned from your sin and embraced Christ as Lord and Savior. But that word honor means to esteem, to revere. It's a word in the New Testament used for honoring your parents. 
So let me ask you, students, how are you doing at honoring your parents? Not even just students, but all of us. Do you honor your parents? See, disobedient and disrespect for parents is disobeying God's commands. It's rejecting the theology of submission. It's missing the motive for our submission. It's a focus on self. But here's the question. Where do most children learn rebellion and disrespect? I'll let you answer that. I won't. Honor everyone God has put in authority over you. Secondly, he says, love the brotherhood. This speaks of brothers and sisters in Christ, those in the church. That word love, it's agape. It's unconditional love. Believers need to stand together as a unified force, coming together to do the work of the gospel. We all do this under the leadership of Jesus Christ. We're all submitted to him. There should be peace and unity in the church if we're walking in Christ and in submission. I believe at Hope we have a lot of unity, and I'm really thankful for that. And it's not forced unity. Third, he says, fear God. I wrote this down. You will never honor and respect and love others until you truly reverence God. Again, the vertical drives the horizontal. You get the vertical right, the horizontal falls in place. That word fear, it means to show deep respect, reverence, and awe. Let me ask you, does this describe your view of God? I'm not saying giving it lip service, but do you have this awe of God? Kind of like the first time you ever saw the Grand Canyon. I remember the first time I ever saw it, I was like, I just stood there. I was like, I was in awe. How much more should we have awe for our God? He says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God. And finally, honor the emperor, which brings us back full circle to verse 13. Who's the emperor? Nero. The hated Nero means to respect. We're to respect authority, all, we're to respect authority over us, even if it's unfair. I mean, when you read about David, you see how he was anointed king, Saul was a lunatic king before him. He was still king. And even though Saul was trying to murder David, David was not willing to lift his hand to the Lord's anointed because he understood that Saul was the king at that time. He was hunted like a dog. He had opportunities to take him out, but he trusted the Lord. And so like David and like Jesus, we're to submit to the authority of, over us. But the only way we can do that is if we continue to entrust ourselves to our Father, to look up when life is down. Let me ask the worship team to come up. We submit because it's commanded. We submit for the Lord's sake. We submit to every human institution that is over us. Why? Because it impacts others. And because we're God's servants who have love and respect for all. Now let me 
let me say this. This can't happen without a heart of surrender where we even just like, Lord, I can't do this apart from you. That's why we're continued to, told to, you know, it's, it's Hebrews chapter 12, one and two. We throw off every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. Looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sitting down at the right hand of the Father. He gave us an example. He continued to look to the Father. He looked beyond this present trial he was going through and crucifixion, looking unto Jesus, kept his focus on the eternal, not the temporal. I pray for that for us. I'm just going to ask you to just maybe bow your heads right now and ask yourself, how am I doing? How am I doing with submitting? Or do I just have this rebellious spirit? This independent spirit that I'm just not going to submit to anyone. And then ask yourself why. The Bible's so clear. submit to every human institution for the sake of God. Maybe you just need to ask God for forgiveness for not living as you know you're called to live. You're not honoring the Lord with your life. For some, maybe you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior. You don't have that strength and power within you because you don't have the Holy Spirit in you because you've never turned from your sin and turned to Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've never confessed that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross in your place, and that he was raised on the third day, and maybe right now you need to confess that. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from eternal wrath. Saved from the destruction of this world. Saved to eternal life in Christ. Father, thank you. For this word, it's a, it's a difficult word, but Lord, help us to always look up, look to you. Give us the strength to live this out. Lord, we want to be a people that brings you glory. We want to put to silence the ignorance of foolish people because of our faith and love in you. Lord, let us just surrender our lives to you right now. In Jesus' name I pray.